Let's take a little time to reveal The prehistoric stories that the earth once concealed Mix them all together on this ancient land It's time to spread some paleo jam Hello Narracourt there but that's fine we'll go on with it uh, welcome to paleo jam my name's michael mills i'm the host um and we are in now court and um we are in the supper room Yay! thanks to the library Yay! i think we've done that joke now i think we should just stop um and um we we are here for national science week um, recording, been recording a few podcasts and hanging out in the Bull Lagoon and, and going to the caves, the World Heritage Narracourt Caves, because they are such a, a remarkable place of story and fossil heritage. And we wanted to talk about um, the connection of the community to the caves and the way forward and ideas for what could or could not happen or or how we can involve particularly the local community um in in the the caves because there's been a lot of talk over the years of how um and, and i remember doing a project with the high school a few years ago where we were talking to some year nines and they i was there with rod wells who was one of the people that discovered the Victoria Fossil Cave, and we were talking about these thylacoleos and that they would have been wandering around where the high school is, and the kids at the beginning talked about Narracourt as the place that they'd gone to when they were little kids, and that it, it's the tourist place, it's the place where the tourists go. By the end of the conversation, and it probably helped having Rod Wells there and the thylacoleo skull, by the end of the conversation they'd gone... This is part of our story, isn't it? And and that was a really important, I think, moment for those kids. And I want to talk a bit about that. Um, with me, I have um, Narita Turner. Hi, Narita. Hi. Um, so, what do you do? What's your what, what what's what's the case got to do with you? So, I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Adelaide, and I'm doing pretty much all of my field work um, at the Narracourt Caves. Yeah, and and the really important thing with the caves is that that there's a lot of researchers down there doing a lot of things and and we'll talk a bit about that and 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 i guess it's ongoing research and future research and possibilities sitting next to narita um is the boss man <laughs> is that what we call you it's the boss man the cave boss man the caveman boss man i'm stopping now <laughs> tom's on yeah um so so your your history with the caves though you, you've been there for a while Yes, so I started as a site interpreter, so one of the tour guides back in 2011. So not quite 12 years. Yeah, and so, so what, what was it like when you got there and, and what's changed in that time in terms of um, community engagement? Um, I think when I started there, like I you know, sort of did the uh, 
year eight camp and had been out to the caves when I was about six. So um, had been out there plenty of times and it was always just sort of that place that was out there, but never really figured too heavily in, in my thinking with things. I knew it was there. Um, and so when I started there, it really started to, to kind of click at just how important that place was for the local community um, in a lot of different ways. Um, and so over time, my appreciation of that has sort of, you know, certainly developed, you know, taking part in events that we've held out there, taking the year eight kids on that camp. So, you know, I was taking the school kids through that were doing the exact same activity that I had done quite a bit earlier on. And what, what was that like, going from, from being the kid on the tour to being the grown-up running the tour? Um, one of the teachers um, that was still teaching that had taken me through, um, it was quite, um, his name's um, Mick Dennis, and it was quite uh, concerning on that first tour because he was the teacher that was with the group and I didn't know whether to call him Mick or Mr Dennis. So, <laughs> so um, what did you decide on? This is very important. I flipped between each one as I went through until he finally cracked it and said, stop calling me Mr Dennis, it's just Mick. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I stopped after that. But it was um, really good seeing the kids because I did it several years in a row and then a lot of those kids would come back later on because they'd do a camp when they were in year 11 or 12, one or the other in outdoor ed, and they'd do some of the other activities. And it was nice seeing those faces come back, but you get recognised around town. Um, people will either see us in our uniform or remember going on tours and that and would come up and they would often say, this is what I've remembered from the, the tours that we did out there. Yeah, and we know obviously things change after uh, National Park came in and World Heritage and stuff, so that there weren't the parties that used to happen in the caves and stuff. Um, so how do you um, ensure there is an ongoing connection with the community? Because we want, we want those year nines and year fours and, and, and all of the folk to, to not think of it as the tourist place down the road. We want them to go, this is a place of our stories. Because I'll often be at the South Australian Museum and I'll be talking about how Thylacaleos walked around Adelaide and, and stuff, and Diprotodons did. But we only know that because we find them in places like Narracourt. And there's that, the proximity of the stories and the fossil heritage to Narracourt creates something quite unique compared with, with lots of other places. There are, there, are, you know, there, are, there are other towns like this. Winton is another place. And Winton are constantly engaged with their community. Um, I mean, how, how, does, how do you keep that going? Or is it just a constant, I guess, thinking of new ideas all the time? A, a bit of both, I guess. Because we've got a lot of people in the community that are very strong advocates for the park and will do a huge amount of work off their own back to come out and, and do things that are here, uh, do things at the park and help promote things. Um, we have great working relationships with a lot of organisations. So um, the other group that sort of helped organise this with the council, because they're very keen on encouraging that community connection for a few different reasons. Um, it's really thinking outside of the box a lot of the time because we sort of, we, we take the tours through the caves and they're very much, you know, uh, each guide is encouraged to do their own spin on things and take tours in their own ways. So, you know, there's a benefit in coming back and doing a different tour because you might get a different guide coming along. But it's also probably looking at some of those events like what we're doing to tonight to try and keep that 
engagement between the town or the local community in the cave strong. It could be holding events. You've come out several times and done performances. And um, we recently had an active story time down in Blanche Cave, um, which um, from the, the feedback we got was quite popular. And there's just different ways then that those kids and community members can come out and remember that experience that they've had there. Yep. Now, Narita, you, your work, your, your research is, is about how the critters got into the caves yes. um, and accumulate and stuff. Um, and part of the research that you do is involved working with um, Dave, Dave the community yeah, guy. Yeah, Dave Williamson. <laughs> Dave the community guy. He <laughs> shall forever be known as that. Um, so Dave... Dave Williamson. Dave Williamson. Yeah, from the Yalgabar Wood, Wood Gallery. Yeah, and because that's not in the caves, is it? That's not in the, the official World Heritage that, Yeah, caves. that's correct. Yeah, one of my caves is um, on his and his family's property. And because one of the really important things to remember, of course, is that there are caves everywhere in this town and around this town, um, which I suppose in a way lends itself to the possibility of finding ways to engage the community better with places like Hinchkey's Quarry, with some of those other caves. Maybe there's opportunities for the council and the caves to partner in things and, and work in that. And, and But you have a really great working relationship with, with Dave. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that um, my supervisor, uh, Dr Liz Reed, has really sort of drilled into me and all of my uh, like lab mates, um, is to really foster and maintain those community relationships, particularly with uh, members of the community that have caves on their, their own land, because um, it's, it's vital for us to maintain good relationships um, because we want to keep getting access to those caves. Um, but it's also really important for us to, to keep them engaged and keep them informed of the research we're doing and why it's so important um, for us to be able to access them. And I guess, guess it then gives them buy-in into the research. Yeah, so and it helps in. give them like ownership of their, you know, their, their cave that they've got and you know, give them pride in, in what they have on their land. Because because we know that through World Heritage there were there were farmers that, that kind of hid their caves for want of a better description because the perception was oh I might I might have my land closed down mm. people were fearful and 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 that wasn't going to happen but we understand that those fears happen um, and once a fear like that takes hold it becomes very difficult to challenge it. So you need examples mm, yeah. of, of what you're doing in that research so, so that other people can go, oh, okay, and you got to learn this and, mm. and, and you still get to run sheep and cattle and do all the farming things still, on your property. Still wine in the caves. There's still, <laughs> still Perfect wine, wine cellars, I'm told. Well, yes, you're told, of course. Okay, um, I want to... One of the things... Tom, that I think you, you do now with the caves is that if a local takes a visitor to the caves, the local gets in for free. how much? For free? Yep. Free. So how long have you been doing that? So we've had that in place since, I think it was around 20, it was either late 2017 or 2018. So it's been in there for a while, but probably wasn't. I guess promoted to the local community um, as well as what it could. So a lot of people kind of knew about it and then it sort of gotten forgotten a bit. 
Um, and we just sort of recently thought it was a good opportunity to try and relaunch that um, because it's a great way of encouraging. Again, I've, like I said before, you get a lot of people that will come and they might have done Alexandra Cave, um, you know, 10 times and they're just coming because they've got visitors. Um, it's just that little bit of an extra incentive for them to come out and take part in the tours and bring their visitors without having to worry about paying for something over and over and over again. So I'm not sure if you have the numbers at your, at your fingertips, though. So, so how much of the income, allowing for the fact that people come free if they bring people not from here, how much of the income from the caves comes from local people? And there is a reason for asking mm -hmm. that, which I'll come to in a second. Yep. How much of it comes from that um, at the moment? Off the top of my head, I probably couldn't tell you even a even a really rough yeah. figure. Yeah, is it? But it would most of it would be tourists. Mostly, mostly. Yes. And, yeah. and the reason I'm asking that is because um, it, it, I was in uh, Hobart last year, and if you go to Mona as a tourist, you pay full odds for everything. If you if you if you have a Tasmanian passport, you get in for free. Um, what would what would be the impact if is is I suppose is there a model of take is there a way of taking this idea that you've started is there a way of taking it further forwards or or adding more to it or I'll give you another example so during the Adelaide Adelaide Fringe Festival. Um, we, if you're an artist, you get an artist pass, and you can go and uh, stand, line up for a show. If a show is on, if there's a space in the show, some shows will say you can use your artist pass to come in. Um, is is, and it doesn't have to be for everything. You know, not all artists do it. They don't do it for all their shows. Is there a thing? like with some of the tours. So we were on a tour recently where there's just a few of us. What if there was, is, is, is there something like that or a passport or something? Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, there could be. Um, I think it had been floated at one Putting point. Putting you under pressure in a podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was an idea that was floated um, previously about a like a locals pass where they sort of purchased this, I can't remember what the cost they had with it. And that would get them free access, kind of like a membership to the zoo or something along those lines, where then they could come out and you know go through on the tours and things like that, um, you know either at a discounted rate or for free. Um, so it's certainly something that we could sort of look at. Um, can't really commit to anything on a, on a podcast or That's anything like that, but but it's but it's, a, it's, but it's a, I think it's a really interesting conversation yeah. to have, and and I think I think I, I suppose the purpose of the question. Mm is to to explore that you had you've had this thing you're relaunching it but maybe it's worth thinking not just about the relaunch but about how else might it it be tweaked mm. and maybe you know the council can <laughs> i'm putting everyone in the room under pressure there's council people in here um so maybe it, do you know what i mean i yeah. I, 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 I think it's worth exploring that possibility because it does get more people in and more people I think in the community talking about it it mm -hmm. brings us back to that you know it doesn't take us back to the pre-world heritage things where people are having parties and leaving wine bottles and having food fights in the caves mm -hmm. we're not suggesting that at all but it's just progressing that idea 
Um, Narita, what was it about the caves for you in coming day? Because there is a lot of research. What can you, what can you tell us, I suppose, a bit about the research that's ongoing? Mm -hmm. Because I don't get to, ultimately, I don't get to do what I do as a, as a singing paleontologist character, either without the work the researchers do, or without the, the, the folk from the caves, mm -hmm. or without engagement from the community. Mm -hmm. So, so tell us a little bit about the research and, and the future of research is looking at at the caves. Yeah, so there's, well, one of the great things about the Narrancourt Caves is the diversity of the research that's going on. So I think the, the paleontology research sort of gets the spotlight. Um, particularly the large animals as well. The caves are known for their megafauna. It's what I'm studying. Um, so I'm a bit guilty of um, the favoritism, but there's so many aspects of the paleontology that are being studied. So small mammals in particular um, are having a bit of a moment and they can be almost better than large mammals at identifying trends through time in things like paleo communities. Um, there's lots of geochronological research happening as well. So, so what's that? So that's uh, dating. Geochronology is basically age of rocks and things. Um, so usually dating the sediments that the fossils have been found in and then as a result of that dating the, the fossils themselves. So, so lots of good. And, and how does the relationship work, Tom, with, with, with you and, and the researchers? Um, <clears throat> They'll, most of the time when the researchers have an idea, we've got a few that we work quite closely with that will often be an idea. Um, so they do have to go through a process where they're applying through permits and things like that. And then usually it's just having a conversation with us about the areas that they'd like to access and what they're wanting to do. Um, we have a lot of you know, great back and forward with the researchers that we do have, but we realise that that research is important for what we're doing and talking about on tours because it allows the guides, and they're all very passionate about the park and they're all very interested in the latest research and updating what they're talking about. It means that for anyone that comes to the comes to the site and jumps on a tour and goes through, they're often getting some very, very new and updated information. So we don't give a staff member a script when they start. They sort of get the chance, as I said earlier, to develop their own tours and they can build that new information in, in different ways um, to really enhance that experience, which means that, you know, whether it was a local or someone that travels through and has come several times, they'll potentially get some very new and, and very recently sort of developed information if they took part in a tour. Yeah, excellent. So what, what I want to do now is, um, is because we've got a spare microphone at the end of the table, and I want to get some ideas from the people amongst us. Um, Quinny and Isla, we were chatting. They're just walking up to the microphone now. And um, so you see how far we're speaking when we speak to them. So um, Quinny and Isla, which one's Quinny, which one's Isla? Hi, I'm Quinny. And how old are you, Quinny? Seven. Yep, and Isla, how old are you? Hi, I'm Isla and I'm nine. And you're nine. and you come tonight because you spend a fair bit of time in the caves. Um, what's your favourite cave? Alexander Cave. So what is it about Alexander Cave? All the selectites and mites. Yeah, and Isla? Quinny, <laughs> your favourite cave. She's thinking, she's thinking. Stick Tomato. Yeah, and what is it about Stick Tomato Cave? 
She's thinking. <laughs> thinking. It has lots of holes in it. It has lots of holes in it. That's very cool. Okay, we were talking before about a couple of ideas. You said you had a couple of things. If we could do anything in the caves, and you've got, you've got the boss man sitting next to you. <laughs> so now is your chance to say, Tom, can we do this? A disco? You want to have a disco in the cave? <laughs> okay, well, let's just talk about that for a minute. Tom. <laughs> Tom. How would we facilitate, I mean, a like mirror ball, dance? I mean, I suppose realistically, there are, I mean, Professor Flint has sung and performed. I've had people um, stomping up and down and, and dancing around and hopping up and down as if mm -hmm. they're megafauna in the caves. <laughs> so a disco is probably going to be less of a danger to the caves than a wild Professor Flint rave. Um, <laughs> so uh, you, you, you recently had, you talked about the, the, the story time in the cave, so open to I, these sorts of ideas? How might a, like a blue light disco sort of thing? Yeah. Well, That's <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it would depend on what we're looking at doing. Professor Flint, uh, Professor Flint performances are relatively well controlled. Well, well, I <laughs> don't know about that. What if Professor Flint was the DJ? Ooh, that'd be interesting. Ah. See, one of the great things about our podcast, you just throw a whole bunch of people together and you start coming up with ideas. Some of them are terrible. I don't think this is an entirely terrible idea. <laughs> well, we've had Professor Flint in there several times dancing around. Yeah. yeah. So, so, okay, disco. Um, I suppose the thing to think of, with any ideas that, that come, I guess this is what you have to deal with as a manager. Um, if somebody comes to you and says, I want to do a disco mm -hmm. in the caves, what's, what's the process thinking and, and management process that you go through to go, okay, is this a thing? Can this, how, how, how might I make this into a thing? How would it work? Well, there's a few <laughs> steps in there. Um, the one that I always get asked about, and it's very boring, is insurance is usually at the top of the list for that sort of thing. But I suppose it's probably looking at the activity and then trying to work out how much of an impact it might have on the cave, I guess. Um, if someone came and said, we want to go down and have a food fight, like was mentioned earlier, then probably not. Uh, but if someone came and said, we're going to have everyone sitting down listening to someone do a violin performance, then it's fairly straightforward. And, and you've had that kind of classical stuff yes. happening. So yep. that, that's, I suppose, so I guess it's a question of looking at what the activity is. Because, as, as we talk about often with caves, they are living ecosystems. We need to uh, ensure that we're not disturbing them or impacting on, on the, the quality of the caves themselves. Um, any other ideas from down the end of the table? Maybe a picnic? A picnic? A picnic in a cave? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A kid's picnic? A teddy bear's picnic? Mm -hmm. Except the teddy bears are the diprosodons that you can get from the now called cave's shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those sorts of things, I suppose those kind of things, having had the success that you had with the, um, the story time thing recently, what does that do to you as a, as a manager in terms of you try a thing and it's like, oh, that clearly worked? Mm -hmm. I suppose it's 
probably not wanting to do something too many times, otherwise it might start to lose its sort of, you know, um, sort of lose being special. But it could be taking simple ideas and then tweaking things slightly to then make it a, a new offering. So we might not have a picnic down in the cave, but we might be able to do a walk through a cave ending with a picnic in one of the areas that's on the park somewhere. So it's a bit of a mixture. It could be exploring through Blanche Cave and looking for some of the old graffiti that's in there as a bit of an adventure and then coming back up to the surface for a sit down and an eat and play on the playground or walking around on the walking trails and um, having a look around on the park. Cool. Can we please thank Quinny and Ayla? And now sitting out in the audience is one of your staff. Georgia, if you'd like to pop out, ignore the fact that you're about to sit next to your boss. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're a different generation to Professor Flint, but we were talking recently, you may have gone to a Professor Flint gig just up from here when you were little, like in the shell thing. Yeah, uh, so hello everyone, um, my name is Georgia, pleasure to be here. I'm one of the site interpreters at Narraport Caves National Park. Um, so... And, and, and what I want to ask is, is like, how, how old are you? And, and the reason is, is because you're of a younger generation than Yeah, than so I'm young Iron enough, it's Tomer. not rude to ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am 19, um, but when I... So what's that? Is that gen- what, which generation is that? What do they call it? Um... See, they don't know. Gen Z. Gen Z. So you're Gen Z. Okay. For me, it's it's, it's important to to understand because Gen Z, all generations have a particular feel about them. Mm -hmm. So so Gen Z and the Narracourt Caves. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you're really passionate. I am. I started, uh, just just to mention, um, I started at Narracourt when I was 18. Yep, and you'd done work experience I did, through Narracourt High yes. School. So you're, you're born local, grew up, yep. um, and the, the caves were a thing that mm-hmm. you've just gone, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's the place. Um, and uh, talking about work experience, um, Tom wrote um, on my review at the end of my work experience, he said down the bottom, um, would have a suitability to work here in the future. Um, and I took that and I drove home and now he's stuck with me. <laughs> so I'm actually really interested in, in the impact on, on that on you when, when you read that. I was a little bit shocked when I read that, to be honest, Tom. You would be, yeah. They're, they're having a moment now. But, 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 but it's a really cool thing, isn't it? Because cause that, that positive encouragement... Uh, has an impact. Has had a yeah. direct impact mm-hmm. on you and your life choices and your career choices and things. Mm-hmm. So you've been there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If <laughs> over a year or coming up, doing. If <laughs> Tom went on leave for a week and you were boss for a week mm-hmm. and you could introduce anything you liked, Ooh. oh, she's got a list. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So. I think something that would be great to start back up again, um, which is something really achievable. I'm not going to go super crazy on you, Tom, um, but it would be probably the school holiday um, activities and um, uh, like program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. And and because you were involved with the story time thing. Recently. I was. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So so how did that? And I, I guess seeing that success mm-hmm. has helped you 
yeah. further formulate that yep. as an idea? Yeah, so it all starts with children. Um, if you want to get, you know, the uh, the message um, of, you know, cave conservation, um, why you should care about what's happening here at Naracor, paleontology, it's all going to start um, with children and getting that into them and getting them inspired and and from there they'll take it into the future. Okay, no pressure, Narita, but one your your Tom's Tom's off for a second week <laughs> and he's gone, I want an outsider to come in for a week. Your boss for a week. What's your your idea? Um, I really like the idea of um, injecting more sort of Australian paleontology in general, but specifically Naracor paleontology into the classroom. Mm. Um, so you know, it's it's amazing um, when schools can can come to the caves and experience things firsthand. But I I really like the idea of um, just yeah sprinkling more of it into um, the classrooms, which doesn't really have much to do with Tom at all. So I don't know why I'm doing it on his week off. Um, <laughs> but that is something that I would yeah. No, what you're doing, you're saying come here, come to my place, come and learn yes. the things <laughs> that we have to offer. You're opening the caves like that. The, the yeah no, and, and and I get that because. We do a thing called the Mary Anning Art Prize mm. where we have young people creating artwork based on South Australia's fossil heritage. If you're from South Australia, you can't draw a T-Rex and enter the competition. You've got to draw, and we've just been judging this year's, and we've got um, all these drawings of Wanumbi and Thylacaleo, and we are I'm out of time. <laughs> so can we please thank Georgia and Tom and Narita and... Ayla and Quinny. And thank you, National Science Week. My name is Michael Mills. It's time to spread some paleo jazz.